Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I am chatting with someone extra special. Jenny Waldrop is a good, good, good business friend of mine, and she has so much kick-ass knowledge to share with you guys, not only about kickstarting your brand with like less than $100, um, but also how to kick ass and sell it, like actually sell it on Etsy. So I know if you might be thinking, oh, I don't want to do that, I want to start my own big fashion brand. Um, I talked about this a little bit in the beginning of the interview, but this is an amazing way to sort of dip your toe in the water and get started and learn all the hard lessons before you spend a boatload of money because that's what happens to a lot of people when they're starting their fashion brand. So this is a really interesting alternative that you can start with pretty much no money to, to kickstart it and start getting some sales and learning and figuring out how things are going. Um, Jenny is a kick-ass business extraordinaire. She runs Fuzzy and & Birch and she helps people take their Etsy shops from zero to a thousand sales and even beyond. And she's been doing this for years. She was able to quit her job and kickstart her own Etsy business and blow it out of the park. And I won't tell you all the details because she tells you about them in the interview. But before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about all the other resources that Successful Fashion Designer offers. And those are all free and you might not be aware of them. So here's what you can get your hands on. Illustrator tutorials, tech pack tutorials, and templates. Uh, Ultimate guide to landing your dream job. All sorts of free tutorials, templates, downloads, eBooks, all sorts of stuff. And a lot of people listening do not know about this stuff. So I wanna make sure you do. And you can check out all of that and I will send you all of my best free content at soheidi.com slash email. It's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email. And as always, you can access the show notes by scrolling down wherever you're listening. And now let's jump into the interview with Jenny, where you're going to learn how to kick ass in a major way with really, really, really low risk investment so you can kickstart your fashion design dream. All right, here we go. And let's chat with Jenny. Welcome to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, Jenny. Um, Can you start by introducing yourself to everyone and letting us know who you are and how you help people in fashion? Sure. Hi, guys. My name is Jenny Waldrop. I run the blog Fuzzy and Birch. About, I would say, six years ago, I was in a horrible corporate job. I was one of your classic corporate artists who's basically, you know, strapped to the machine, uh, chugging out things that I wasn't very pleased with that everyone was uh, editing to look even worse. Um, And uh, I didn't have any savings. I knew I wanted to quit my job. So I started selling things on Etsy. I didn't really expect much. I expected to make, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Maybe I could quit my job for a few months and then find another one. 
But six months later, I was far, far outpacing what my day job was paying me. And I realized that um, I was doing it all wrong and I didn't want to work for anyone else anymore. (laughs) So after about a year, I quit that job and I have never looked back. I have worked for myself ever since. It has been wonderful. It's been about five and a half years. We're coming up on six here in March. And I help people to now kind of do the same thing, figure out how can I start an Etsy store that works for me, that makes me happy, that helps me build the lifestyle I want, not just something that sucks up all my time and energy or that doesn't feel creative and inspired. Um, It's kind of my job to help people figure out the pieces that you're missing because the reality is running your own business isn't really just throwing something up and waiting for it to sell. There's a lot of little pieces that no one ever teaches us Yeah, that no, you don't come with a manual, you know? Um, so I teach people how to find those problems and fix them and get their income straight on Etsy. I love that. So full transparency and quick background. Um, we have known each other since I think 2016, Yeah, that sounds right. Roughly. So Mm -hmm. Jenny and I actually met at a nerdy business conference in Chicago and um, have become really, really good friends since um, amongst a group of us, uh, other female entrepreneurs. And we were chatting literally, I think, last week, um, and we were talking about business and whatnot, and you started telling me some stories about some of the people in your community that you help kick ass on Etsy who are doing some really cool stuff in fashion on Etsy. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I need to have you on the podcast so that you can share this because I think that a lot of people in general and arguably also in fashion think, well, Etsy's too saturated or, you know, that feels like such a slow chug or, you know, all the list of excuses or reasons they might have as to why Etsy wouldn't be right for them or wouldn't be a good fit. And I want you to share some of those stories and tell us a little about what you're seeing on Etsy with sellers related to fashion. Yes. There is just so much cool stuff going on right now. I mean, part of it is because of COVID and people have had to be inventive, but Etsy has kind of always been a place where artists sort of come to play. One of my sellers who does custom design fabric, which is something he kind of fell into. He was doing shirts and clothing, but he kind of fell into fabric because customers kept asking him where he got his cool fabric. And his sales are up 2,800% this year, pretty much since March, so Corona time. But it, it was just insane to watch that launch. The other thing we're noticing is that his numbers are not terribly unusual right now. A lot of people are seeing this uptick. I think Corona has made it such that online shopping is here to stay. And it's it's not as much fun to walk into the retail shops anymore. I don't know if you've noticed the kind of <laughs> empty shelves and it, it, it's not the same experience. You know, you're you're wearing a mask, you have to stay away from other people. Uh, things aren't things aren't on are on the shelf from, you know, what feels like last season, you know? Yeah, it doesn't feel good. There's not a lot of them. So people are really turning to online right now in a big way. And I don't think it's going to be temporary. I think people are going to, you know, they learn a new thing. You can't, you can't unlearn something that you've seen. And there's just so much going on in the space with people kind of trying new things and becoming inventive and, and being able to actually talk to their customers and then immediately adjust and do that just like our seller did. He literally went, from t-shirts, dresses, skirts, aprons to fabric. I love and that. He, yeah. 
And he was like, oh, this is great. I think I'll open a shop specifically dedicated to fabric. And now he has two shops making him money. Okay, so so he's still selling the other stuff. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. I love that. We have a lot of textile designers in um, the successful fashion designer community, so I know they're going to love hearing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, custom fabric is is so hard to find, and it's so hard to design your own, your own pattern, too, that a lot of people who are on Etsy, honestly, are crafters and creatives. They just don't have the vision to actually, you know, put together the, the things that we take for granted, like pattern making, for example. Yeah. Because, you know, they want to sew something amazing. They know kind of what they want. Maybe they have an idea in their head of the color powder. Oh, I want this to look really modern. But finding the things that they're looking for is not straightforward. And having creatives online to kind of show you this is what's possible or or these are all the cool things that you could do, um, showing people examples is really what Etsy is all about. In fact, uh, the biggest selling category on Etsy, and it has been for years, is the craft category. So all those craft supplies and fabric is definitely a part of that. Yeah. Is by far the biggest, like I think by over two times, um, more craft sellers have 100,000 sales under their belt than any other seller on Etsy. Wow, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is really cool. Like you are seeing amongst people specifically in your community doing uh, T-shirts, dresses, what have you, fabric. They're growing. It's a direct correlation to corona. Um, so I want to hear – and just for reference for people listening, it's August 2020 right now um, – I want to hear a little bit about, like, let's kind of pretend I'm a I'm a, I'm new to Etsy, and maybe I'm even new to fashion. We won't ask you for specific how to you know actually like create and design my brand because I know that's not your expertise. But like, I've got some stuff. I have some ideas because um, mm-hmm. I know you and I chatted last week about um, people are doing a lot of drop shipping and like just private label type of stuff, um, uh, print on demand type of stuff. I'm getting my words mixed up. Um, so let's pretend I am new to this sort of space and maybe I've got some stuff that I've sewn or that I've run through a small factory and I've got 50 pieces or maybe I want to start up a little bit le- little more lean and I, I want to go to a print-on-demand place or something like that and I'm going to set up shop on Etsy. Like where do I even start from day one? Yeah. Let me let me actually do this by running you through a quick story of two sellers. Okay. Right? So we'll say seller number one. Let's call her Joan. If there's anyone listening out there that's Joan. Hi, Joan. Hi, Joan. We're going to tell a fake story about you right now. <laughs> um, so let's say Joan is your classic fashion designer. She has things made at home. She's excited about them. She wants to start her own line, launch it online. Most people, most Joans would be like, okay, I'm going to create maybe like a 12 item or a 12 item piece or line. I don't know what it's called. I'm not a fashion designer. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to launch a website. Yes. And what Joan would do is she would spend a ton of money on supplies, getting her line together. Maybe it's a streetwear line. So it's fairly, it's fairly straightforward. So she's not spending too much, but she's also not spending nothing. Yeah. Um, she creates her 12 pieces. She hires somebody to help with a website. Maybe she spends, you know, 600 to $1,200 there. Cause Joan's not an expert. She wants her website to be beautiful and she wants it to represent her brand and be above par. Right. Sure. So then Joan launches her website. She probably tells everyone she knows. She probably emails everyone. Maybe she has a little email list from people she knew. She sends it out. She probably sends it out on social media. There's an initial spike. Maybe she sees a few sales. 
And then her traffic just crashes and she doesn't know what to do. And she's trying everything she can. She's going to fairs. Maybe she's trying to show off her clothes in other places. Whatever she can think of, Facebook, whatever, she Facebook ads, you name it. She's trying, but it's not working for her. And she doesn't understand why, because she did everything the way that she was taught to do, the way that most people do it, the way the big designers do it. And she just doesn't understand why nothing is happening. And then cut to, you know, six months to 18 months later, she's given up completely. And she decided that wasn't for her. It didn't work out. The failure hurt. And she just has moved on to something else and is now working for somebody else. And she's right back on the hamster wheel where she started. Okay. I've heard Joan's story like a million times. Yeah. yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. Poor Joan. Joan. Sorry. Yeah. We hug you, Joan. I'm so sorry (laughs) this happened to you. Um, Now let's tell a story of Jane. Okay, so Jane decides that she doesn't have a lot of startup money. She doesn't know what to do. Maybe she's looked around on the internet. She's seen some things or she starts a program um, to kind of learn how to do stuff like that. There's a number of ways you can figure this out. Google search, YouTube, join a program, whatever. So Jane decides that she knows she doesn't know how to get traffic to a website. She doesn't know anything about SEO. She's a creative and most of us know nothing about SEO or anything (laughs) technical for that matter. And she wants to start a line without investing in a ton of inventory. So she doesn't want to buy a bunch of, you know, sizes and colors. Maybe she wants to start like a streetwear sweatshirt line because sweatshirts are all the rage right now. And she knows she can do it better than all the weird stuff she's seeing out there. And she's like, no, I'm going to make like a super cool sweatshirt line that I wish I was wearing right now. So Jane is like, okay, I don't know anything about SEO. I don't want to keep inventory, so I'm going to make this really easy on myself. I'm going to go where buyers already are, right? I'm going to go where traffic already is so I don't have to generate my own. A good choice for that might be Etsy, might be Amazon Handmade, um, might be Pinterest. If Jane has a good Instagram following, it might be Instagram. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is she's going where people are already hanging out. Etsy is a good one because people are there to buy. Mm -hmm. Amazon Handmade is a good one because people are there to buy. Um, So she's like, okay, I'm going to start on Etsy. And since I'm doing a sweatshirt line, sweatshirts are super in right now, I'm going to use a print-on-demand supplier. And what that means is you pick from brands like Bella and Canvas, American Apparel. I think there's, um, you know, alternative apparel. There's tons of them. Brands that have blanks that you then put your designs on, and they print them out in the customer's requested size and color, and they ship them straight to the customer for you. And Jane only pays when someone places an order. So to open her Etsy shop, Jane signs up with a print-on-demand supplier. That's completely free. And she can then sell anything that print-on-demand supplier offers, not just sweatshirts. But she's going to start with sweatshirts. And then she signs up with Etsy. And then let's say she decides that instead of getting professional photos taken, which Joan did, spent a fortune on, she wants to use, you know, mock-ups, product mock-ups, which basically professional photographers take pictures of these blanks for you and you just Photoshop your design over top. These days, you can even do it in Canva if you don't know Photoshop. Um, and you basically pay, post the photo of the mock-up on Etsy. And you can get a ton of them. So you can say, all right, let's say I'm using Bella and Canvas sweatshirt 3301, style 3301. Okay, I go on something like Creative Market. I search for Bella and Canvas 3301. There's tons of mock-ups there. I maybe spend, you know, $25 on a pack. And boom, I have all my sweatshirt designs in all my colors. And now I can Photoshop my designs on them. So now I have an Etsy shop with, let's say, 
40 sweatshirt designs that I upload over two months and I have traffic. I have print on demand fulfilling all my orders for me. So I'm just making the profit. I'm not actually doing the work of packing and shipping my orders. And all in all, it costs me um, 20 cents times 40 listings. I can't do math. Let's say that's $15. It's not much. (laughs) So $15. And then every time somebody buys one of her sweatshirts, um, she, her, let's say her sweatshirts are priced at $35 to $45, depending on what's on them and all that good stuff. So she would probably make between 10 and $25 per sweatshirt that's sold. And she would probably pay about $13 per sweatshirt sold. So basically her credit card gets charged $13 and Etsy gives her 25. So there we go. She had no, she has no inventory. She actually doesn't even have to do the packing and shipping. She had no upfront investment. I mean, other than, you know, a few dollars here and there for some tiny things. Um, but is it really that easy to just set it up and, and I'm going to fill my store with 40 sweatshirts and people are just going to come and buy them? Is it really that easy to set it up? The setup part is easy. Okay. That part is easy because the reality <laughs> is, I mean, between mock-ups and Etsy and all of that, you're not spending very much. It's just your time. Right. If you have, you know, two hours a day, maybe even one hour a day if you're good with Photoshop um, and you have your designs already or you have a lot of ideas and they'll just flow out of your head, you could do this reasonably in two months with without too much traction or problem. What comes after is not always as easy, but getting set up. And I mean, what, what we essentially just talked about is a passive income stream, essentially, right. other than making the designs and uploading them, you don't really have to do much like print on demand connects to your Etsy shop. And every time you get an order, all you have to do is upload the artwork. And once you upload the artwork once, it'll keep processing that order for you. You never have to upload it again. Yeah. And even if you want to do custom things like with people's names on them or, or whatever you decide, you just upload a new design every time that comes through. You just have it email you, oh, this item has come through. Can you upload the design? Boom, you upload the design. You have your custom one right there. Yeah. So it gives you the ability to become – to basically behave like a big business really quickly with – maybe a hundred to $150 invested right out the gate okay, and nothing else. So that part, the setup part can be quite simple and easy. Um, it's what comes afterwards in terms of making sure you continue to get sales, figuring out, am I getting enough sales? Am I making a product that people want? That tends to be the number one problem we run into. And also it's just some little things like, am I using the right tags and keywords? Maybe I'm not getting a lot of traffic. That's usually a sign that you haven't use the right SEO terms, which is easy to fix. There are tools that can tell you what to use. Um, but it takes a while to figure those things out. So the process of getting there, once you're all set up, can be difficult. But actually getting a shop up with beautiful photos in it, with beautiful items that represent your style, that allows you to have a whole line of inventory that would cost you a fortune mm-hmm. to make and print yourself, is not that hard. I see thousands of people do it a year. It's what comes after that's usually why people will then come to us for help. (laughs) (laughs) The after part um, is definitely something. There's a million different ways you can approach it, and a lot of people get overwhelmed with that piece. But if you already have the traffic built in, you've just jumped the biggest hurdle, which is exposure for yourself and your brand. Yeah. I love this. It's such a brilliant, like, I mean, okay, so I got to be careful how I say this. For some people, that might be the perfect arrangement. 
Mm-hmm. For some people, that might be a perfect baby step to then designing and producing your own collection. Because of course, you know, there's so many amazing creatives out there that have ideas beyond print on demand, right? They want to actually design the garment. They want to design, they figure figure out the fit. There's a problem in the industry, you know, there's not really great clothes for super tall women or plus size or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think this print on demand combined with Etsy solution is such a beautiful baby step for maybe people that have that vision because they can learn all those hard lessons on figuring out the SEO and the keywords and figuring out what do people actually want so I make sure I make the right product um, in a very low-risk environment. And then maybe they can figure out that actually they hate this sort of thing and they didn't lose a boatload of money because that this uh, venture was not for them. So, yeah. so dear listener, <laughs> um, think about you know, maybe this is a good baby step for you and it could be a great place to, you can get started pretty quickly. You can get started without hardly any money. Um, and is it, you could see it as like a little bit of a test and a, and a learning curve. So now that we know setup is super easy, time to market is super fast, where would I start? I mean, you you said a bunch of things that I, as a someone potentially wanting to do this would, would want to consider, right? SEO and keywords to make, make sure people are getting to your shop, um, figuring out if you have the right product and that you're actually offering something people want versus, hey, I like this design a lot, but do people really want it? They're going to buy it. That can often be two different things. So where, if you were advising me, um, where would, would you suggest that I start in terms of kickstarting this with the most momentum possible? Yeah, there are so many ways to research trends, but I feel like having a tool that you rely on on a regular basis is really helpful. I mean, Etsy is so simple. If you literally just put the cursor in the search box, it'll tell you what's trending right now, which is Uh, helpful. Ah, right. Okay. You can literally see, like, if I put the cursor in the Etsy box right now, I think it's literally back to school t-shirts because everyone is wearing, like, Corona fashion is super in right now, (laughs) you know? It's like, if you can make a Corona joke or if you can do this, that, or the other, or make a political statement, it's just so in right now. Oh, my God. Our minds are. Yeah, yeah. But you have to... You have to kind of think beyond that too, where it's like, how can I incorporate multiple things? What I try to do with my sellers is I'll say to them, pick three trends that you're going to try this season. And they can be anything. They can be color trends. They can be specific trends that you like. They can, I mean, anything. They can be fashion trends or they can be a new item that's trending. You know, just pick three and try them. And then in your items, try to mix some of your trends here and there, you know? So one of my sellers was like, I'm really feeling the feminism trend right now. And I'm really, really feeling all these bright colors. And she stuck both of them into an enamel pin, which she added to her line of clothing, patches, and backpacks. So she was like, okay, I've taken all these trends. Enamel pins was its own trend. She literally (laughs) combined three trends into one. And she did all of that just by placing her cursor in the search box and seeing that these trends were really in right now. Um, But there are tools that will do this for you. Okay, well, hold on. on. Before you tell me about the tools, I just want to – so I put – what do I do exactly? I put my cursor in the search box. Do I start kind of slowly typing and, like, Google gives me some suggestions and that those are the highly searched for terms? So if I go to Etsy right now, in the top, there's a search for anything. I'm signed in. So if you're not signed in, I don't know if it's going to do this. Okay, but well, I'm going there right in, now, and I'm not signed in. 
Okay. If you put oh, your cursor I in see the search it. box. Oh my God. You don't even have to type anything. It comes right up. Yeah. Popular right now. I'm seeing sneaker rug, first day of first grade, fourth anniversary gift. Apparently everyone's having their fourth anniversary right now. Strawberry dress comes up. What is that? Yes. Oh my God. There's this is so wild. Many weird ones. So I think that actually some of these might be related to some of your recent searches too. Like it might be trying to guess, but honestly, like it is showing you what's popular. And here's the thing. Start typing clothing and see what comes up. The first thing that comes up, I just typed in cloth, basically, C-L-O-T, cloth face mask, followed by clothes, followed by clothing labels. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm now starting to understand, okay, what's in right now? What what are people searching for? Right, okay, this is cool. And we could even put in streetwear. I literally put in street, and I see street sign, street art, streetwear. So streetwear is three down. Yeah, I see it. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so this yeah. is giving me a good, really big clue as to what people might be searching for. Totally. And it's okay. pro- probably one of the simplest ways to just quickly do some research and look at trends. Um, Etsy has their own trends on their blog, and we track their trends very closely where we kind of look at what are the underground things that we're seeing sell really well, both in our group of over a thousand sellers, like what are people reporting to us? Uh And also what are we seeing on Etsy that people might not be noticing? So like everyone might notice that, you know, this one thing is popular because it's dead obvious, but what are the things that you might not be seeing? So I'll send you those links to those, but there are some tools you can use to do this. Okay. Um, One of the ones we like is called Merchant Words. It basically allows you to look at what's trending on Amazon, which is a huge indicator because Amazon is the biggest retailer. The king, yeah. (laughs) So like if it's trending on Amazon, sometimes it might not be trending on Etsy yet or it might not be popular or Etsy might not even sell it yet. So sometimes you can use that to get ahead of the curve. Oh, cool. You can also use it to kind of see what are people just searching for like crazy because it'll tell you the volume of searches, the number of purchases, all that kind of stuff, whether it's seasonal. Um, a lot of people don't consider that like our sweatshirt seller, for example, Jane, she might find that in the summer she has trouble because there's only a few places in the world during um, the north, I guess the northern hemisphere summer that are buying sweatshirts. So maybe she notices her sales drop quite significantly. So she starts to offer maybe workout clothes for the summer. Maybe she does some leggings. Maybe she does some tops that are sleeveless. Or maybe she starts to do t-shirts. Yeah. Because she realizes, oh, I need to fill that gap because basically October through March, I'm making tons of money. And then the rest of the year, I'm not seeing much at all. So you got to kind of figure that out as you go. And sure. it is thing that you can you can keep track of with these tools. But if you're if you're willing to be a little scientist and kind of <laughs> closely observe and, and just write things down as you see them and let your brain kind of roll the problem over and solve it, I guess, over time, you can figure these things out just by looking at Etsy. Um, even looking at Pinterest is a great way to find trends. Yeah, see for sure. Coming, what's up and coming. Okay, so I get some ideas from that and I pick three to start testing with. And since I'm doing print-on-demand, my investment to test this is like so cheap that I can afford to just go crazy and test stuff. Totally. But yeah. I think, and I know this from from talking to you over the years about what works best on Etsy, but also just a general principle, um, 
Can I go too crazy on testing too many things in my shop? I would say that most people make the opposite mistake. Oh, So we get a lot of sellers coming to us and they'll be like, I have seven items in my shop and I haven't seen a single sale and it's been four months and, and I don't think this is working. <laughs> okay. And we'll be like, okay, there are, I think, 35 or 40 million items on Etsy. Yeah. What percentage is seven out of 40 million? Like 0.000000. It's like nothing. You're like, one drop of sand at the beach. <laughs> yeah. And the more items you have, the more it kind of, to Etsy especially, like let's say I'm listing 40 sweatshirts. And at some point in my in my title and in my keywords that I'm using in Etsy, I'm saying the word sweatshirt. Etsy's going to be like, oh, this person has repeated sweatshirt like 40 plus times in their shop. I think they're selling sweatshirts. We should probably send them people who are looking for sweatshirts. Okay. So I'm going to be more likely to be found the more um, products I have in that category. Yes, you can go nuts. Like we have had some people come to us who have, you know, 700 items. And, and here's when you know you're going too crazy. Some of the people that will come to us will have a ton of items, but there's clearly no love put into it. They're, they're using the plainest, most boring pictures, you know, a black mug on a white background with a plain Helvetica font on it, which can be very stylish and very cool. But if your whole shop is basically the same photo of the same mug with different text on it, that's really boring for the buyer. Okay. And people know, I mean, the bottom line is if you want to stick out, Etsy is a visual platform. You need to basically be looking at, at, the page of search, the first page of search for whatever you're selling. Maybe let's say that's sweatshirts. Look at sweatshirts. You need to be as good or better as the best picture on the page. Okay. So put some care into it. I like to say 40 items and they don't all have to be sweatshirts. Like Jane could have 10 sweatshirts and 10 t-shirts and maybe she has five pairs of leggings and then maybe she has, you know, 15, um, you know, workout shirts because this is the time of year when those sell. So she has more of those because they're selling more. We'll get back to this episode in 20 seconds, but real quick, did you know that the SFD podcast is sponsored by you? We don't interrupt your listening experience with ads and instead rely on your support. There are three ways you can do that. One, tell a friend about the podcast. Two, sign up for the email list at soheidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email. Three, Write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for supporting the SFD podcast. Now back to the episode. Okay, so I think um, I, I actually love that. I think uh, I didn't word the question quite right, but you addressed the just the sheer quantity of things in my shop does matter. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, um, and I'm I'm trying to pinpoint something you have said specifically in the past that I remember. Um, what about the cohesiveness of the assortment and like, is there, how much value is there put on having a really cohesive assortment of 40 items? Or like, what if I have, you know, sweatshirts and tank tops and t-shirts and that's great. They all kind of go together like a a fashion collection would, but Hey, you know what? I also want to sell, um, these beaded necklaces and these, uh, I'm throwing things super out random out, but like these temporary tattoos or I don't know something. And my store starts to become a little bit of a mishmash because I'm like, Oh, I'll just throw it in my Etsy shop. What do you oh, see yeah. with that? Cause you've told yeah. some stories about that sort of thing. 
I mean, we see that a lot because with print on demand, you literally can sell a lot of, I mean, you could sell mugs, you could sell t-shirts, you could sell jewelry. Yeah. Like it's just one click. So people get into this situation. The thing about Etsy is people are looking for artisans. They're, they really want you to be really good at one thing. Yeah. And they really just want to see. So like, let's, let's actually run through this for a second. Let's say that I'm looking for a gift for my mom and I know my mom likes purple. She likes jewelry. I know her clothing size and I'm scrolling through and I'm looking through for a gift for my mom and I'm searching and I find a couple things. Maybe I find one necklace that I really like. That's like an amethyst. So it's purple. And then maybe I also find, um, a pair of socks that are purple that I think that she would love. So let's say I click on the sock seller and it's all these different socks and all different colors, all different sorts of stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. I could definitely find a pair of socks for my mom that she would love. Then let's say I pick, click on the necklace seller and I'm expecting to see more necklaces in similar styles so I can pick one that fits my mom perfectly. But mm-hmm. instead I'm seeing stickers and mm-hmm. journals and things that don't relate at all. As a buyer, I was just instantly repelled. I was like, oh, I feel like I'm in the wrong place. I think I'll leave now. Yeah. It's like when you walk into a boutique expecting one thing and the salesperson comes up and greets you and you realize you are in completely over your head and you have, you don't want anything in here. Yeah. That was a great description. I had a similar experience recently, which I think is also what made me think of this topic. I So my son, Errol, is six months old and about at three months, he was starting to grab my earrings and I was like, I can't wear earrings anymore. So I took him out and I wanted to get some really minimal like simple, modern, basic earring that he couldn't grab. And so I was like, I'm going to look on Etsy. And and I went around and looked, and I was just surfing, like, you know, all the search results that came up. And then I would open each of the shops, and I would dig further into the shops. Because I'm like, if that, I like that pair. They might have some other cool pairs. And then some of them, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I got into their shop, and they had, like, two, maybe two more pairs of those really cool modern style that I was looking at. And then they had all this beaded stuff. And then they had stuff with, like, weird, not weird, but, like, stones or, like, religious stuff, like, crosses and stuff. And I was like, well, that's really weird. I just took a left turn, and I'm going down some... Like you said, I'm in the boutique, and I saw this one thing in the window. And then I get in, and I'm just like, where am I? And I'm, like, immediately, like, close. I immediately close those shops, and I didn't buy from there. And then I found a shop that had, like, maybe 20 or 25 pairs, and they were all very cohesive. Like, think of this... So, dear listener, again, think of this as, like... Your fashion collection, your assortment, and you, when people, your your boutique, when people walk in there, they want to feel like everything that they're looking at, like feels like it belongs together. Yeah, think about our fabric seller who literally he broke his shop into two. Yes, he recognized that people who want fabric don't want his t-shirts and aprons and shirts. Yes, and it's two different customers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great. It takes us back to that introductory story. Um, okay, cool. So. Cohesive shop, enough items, not too, too many, but enough. And I look at some different trends and I kind of combine them and mix and match and do a little bit of testing and see what happens. Um, beyond that, you also mentioned like CEO, CEO, oh my gosh, mom brain. Also, it's like eight o'clock at night, you guys. Just, I have to put that <laughs> preface out there. Um, SEO, <laughs> I do know this term. SEO, search engine optimization and keywords to make sure that people actually discover your products when they search. Because searching on Etsy is like searching on Google. You have to have the right keywords and you have to be strategic to make sure your product flows to the top. Yep. So how do I figure out that? What do I do? Yeah, so... So many people overcomplicate this. They're just like, <laughs> I have to choose exactly the right words. Else I won't get enough traffic. And if I don't get any traffic, I don't get any buyers. So the reality of SEO is basically 
what will people put into the search box if they were looking for your items? So okay. do this yourself. Think about what you want to sell. And if you're like, what would you call it? Open up multiple windows of Etsy and ser- do multiple searches. So let's say I'm looking for a, a streetwear sweatshirt. Back to Jane's shop, right? Mm-hmm. Streetwear sweatshirt. And then let's say I'm looking for, you know, cozy sweatshirt or I'm just looking for oversized sweatshirt. All popular terms. Look at the things that come up when you do those searches. Look at the top of the page and see how many things come up because you'll see something really revealing. Like when you search for streetwear sweatshirt, maybe 3,000 items come up. But when you search for oversized sweatshirt, maybe 300,000 items come up. Mm. Clearly that word is used more frequently. There are tools that will do this for you, that you can just type words in and compare them, or you can literally just type in sweatshirt, and it'll tell you all the different words that you can use. It'll generate lists of words for you. So you don't need to be an expert in this by any means. You don't really need to completely understand what you're doing. We have free courses that will easily walk you through how to use all these tools, um, or just pick one if you just want to keep it simple. Um to you to do it for your Etsy shop um, in a way that works really well for you. What we find is that people either tend to overdo it on SEO or they're constantly tweaking to the point where um, Etsy can't really even categorize your item because mm. Etsy, like any other search engine, runs on a bot. And what that bot does is it cycles through everything that's on Etsy, updating it and putting it in the right place. And if you are changing your SEO like every day um, or every week even, that bot is going to have a really hard time keeping up with you and understanding who to show your items in search. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what I would say is don't freak yourself out about things like this. Because the bottom line is if you have items in your shop and you're using a tool that's helping you, you're probably going to be at least 80% of the way there, which should be enough to see if you're going to get a sale or two in your first three months of being open. Usually if we see you getting a sale or two in your first three months, we're like, okay, this is going to work. Now all we need to do is tweak things and add more things based on what's selling. And we can gradually kind of roll this into a snowman that's making a lot of money. Wow. Um, but Wait, if we're not one, seeing those sales, one ahead. sale in one to two sales in three months is a gauge that okay, I can grow this. Yeah, that's wow, all. Wow, because to me, I would feel like I only made one sale in three months. Ah, it's not working. We see a <laughs> lot of people do better than that. But okay, I've seen shops like sh- I've had people come to me that they're like, I've made like ten sales in a year, and I'm like, oh, you have a great product there's just, there's usually just one key big mistake that's being made. And that's different for different people, you know? Um, but a lot of times it's just a matter of, okay, if somebody finds this and you're not getting a lot of traffic and they buy it, even if you just get one sale and not many people are looking at your shop, um, that's an indicator that if we throw more traffic at your shop, you're going to get more buyers. Okay. Right. So you might not be an expert in the beginning, but it is a good way to look at it. Um, When our shop used these tools to kind of, at one point we had, I think it was three Etsy shops and multiple Amazon shops, and we were using these tools to set up these shops. The first shop we set up, it took 30 days to make a sale. Okay. The second shop, it took about two weeks. And the third shop, it took less than 24 hours because we knew what we were doing. And like, this was over the course of, I think, five or six months that we started to add shops. And it's a very advanced tactic. So 
Like I've seen people set up whole clothing empires where it's like, this is the baby shop and this is the men's shop and this is the women's shop. And they all have different Etsy shops and different Amazon shops to go wow. with and they have this empire running. Very advanced tactic. I do not recommend it to start out. Okay, get for sure. one shop selling. Once you get your one shop selling, you know what it takes to make other shops sell. And suddenly it becomes much easier to add these other ones. Okay. So what are some of the tools specifically? I know you mentioned Merchant Words, which works for Amazon, but you can also parlay into Etsy. Um, you can use Etsy. Uh, we use a tool called Marmalade. That's what I used in my shop. Okay. Um, nothing else really exists back in 2015 when I started. And Marmalade really did very well for us. Like it, our first 500 sales came from SEO alone. We weren't using social media. Wow. Uh, well, at the time I wasn't, I wasn't a team back then. It's so weird to refer to myself as me back then. I know now you've got a big team. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't using social media. Um, I wasn't really doing much with anything. I wasn't blogging. I wasn't YouTubing like I am now. I was basically just on Etsy and I was using SEO only. Okay. So those first 500 sales happened in our first six months. Now I will preface this by saying, um, I used to do SEO for a fortune 500 company. So I had a strategy, but I do <laughs> give that strategy away for free in our free course. So it's not like I'm, I'm doing something magic that isn't repeatable. Yeah. And you guys will link to all this stuff in the show notes. Cause Jenny has a plethora of amazing tutorials and free courses and videos and blog posts that really help you strategize on how to do this, um, as well as a paid program, of course. Um, so that's phenomenal. I've seen some of her success stories firsthand, and it's crazy what she's been able to help people do. Um, so, okay, so I can maybe look at like Marmalade and Merchant Words, and I can figure out some of this stuff, and it's trial and error, and it's never going to happen as fast as I want, but one to two sales in the first few months is like, okay, we've got something, now let's finesse it and dial it in. Um, so, so then what happens once I get my first, first or second sale? Usually what you'll notice by this time is either the same thing is selling over and over again, or you're getting Etsy convos, which is like a, a direct message. Okay. Uh, about something or about, about a product you have, you might start to notice a pattern. I see this in a lot of cases and some people, I see the patterns cause I see them all the time. Like I look at thousands of shops in a year, but some people are like, I don't see the pattern. And I'll be like, Oh, all your botanical prints seem to be selling. They'll mm. be like, Oh, or I'll be like, did you notice that you only sell sweatshirts with funny sayings on them and all of your serious things aren't going? Or mm. did you know, like I had one seller who does this amazing, um, she does this amazing wall art and she started, this was back in 2016. So she really, she really got there right on time. She was really frustrated because she'd made 60 sales in a year. She wanted to make a thousand sales in a year. That was her goal. She'd done the math. That was what she wanted out of her Etsy shop. And we looked through her past sales and we realized that all her artwork was beautiful and like modern had this beautiful color palette. But the ones that were selling the most were, she had done like a female print series of female role models. And the ones that were selling the most were of those female role models in particular. Mm. Um, so we were like, well, literally 80% of your sales is this type of item. What if you just make this item for a while? And we add a huge line um, of maybe, you know, I always like to ask people what they feel comfortable doing because everyone's process is different. But this particular seller said she was comfortable making 10 new prints a month 
for about three to four months and seeing what happened. And she, I don't even think she got that far. Like they started going crazy and she was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. (laughs) And I think if you look at her shop now, I think she has 1600 sales. It's been about two years. So, I mean, we're on track for a thousand, two years in a row at this point. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's really a matter of figuring out what do your customers want? What's their pattern? What are you doing that's working? And how can you kind of continue doing that in a way that people can find you? And so many people often think their problem is traffic when in reality, it might just be that, you know, maybe people have seen your item before they want something more creative, or maybe people, um, want you to keep making more of what you're doing. You don't have enough variety for them to choose from. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, like you said, the photography doesn't match up with what comes up at the top of the search quality-wise. And so they look at you versus someone else, and they're like, I don't know, this looks more professional. I feel like it's going to be better quality. Yep. Like, I have never clicked on something that looks like the seller doesn't care about it. Yeah. Ever. And so you can literally buy those really cool mock-ups on um, uh, Creative Market. Yeah, there's a lot of places to buy mock-ups. I like Creative Market because they tend to be really high-quality Photoshop files that okay. are easy to use. Okay. So if you buy a mock-up elsewhere, you get one for free, like that's totally fine, and I totally encourage you to look for that. But um, I find that oftentimes they're not as high-quality, um, and it's not as easy to use the file. So maybe it's going to let me overlay a design on top of my T-shirt, but it's not going to make it look like it's been screen printed. It's just going to look like You can kind of tell. Open. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you can, can totally tell. tell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, um, these are amazing tips, by the way. I hope you guys are excited listening. Um, my brain is already spinning. I mean, I don't want to start an Etsy shop. I've got a son and a, and a business. But um, uh, these are amazing tips. I hope you guys are excited. I want to hear a little bit. You made the comment of... Something to the extent of like we, you know, we look at people's shops to analyze like why maybe things aren't going and there's different reasons depending on on the person or the shop or whatever. What are some of the top mistakes that you see people making that you're like, oh, if we just change this one thing or I know it's not as easy as like just change this one thing, right? But like if we make some adjustments here, or make some adjustments there, we can, you know, start making some progress in the right direction. What are some of the top things you see? Yeah, definitely. The number one thing we see is people just don't have enough items in their shop. Ah, okay. Number one item. And even if you're just going to sell one thing, like so many people are like, well, how do I make more of this? Like I've, I've shown off everything I'm going to show off. You don't have to just take your one piece of clothing and offer it in five colors and have one post. Like take, have, offer it in all five colors and then duplicate it four more times to show off all the colors. You're allowed to do that. Just change your title and your tag so that you can get more searches from a different audience. It's actually oh, but it's actually way. the same product. Oh, it's the same product, yeah. Do I have to have different photos? I mean, I like to change the front photo all the time. So, okay. like, I'll change the front photo to the color. And I'm just doing that because what if somebody's searching for a pink sweatshirt? And I have my sweatshirt, and it comes in oh, pink. Oh, I see what you're saying. But, like, they're not seeing it because I've listed the blue one as my front photo. Oh, my God. I literally experienced this today. I needed spray paint. And I was looking on um, Michael's because it was the closest place. I had to run some errands. Anyways, um, the craft store. And I was looking on their thing to just order it so I could do curbside pickup because I had air on the car. And I was like, white gloss spray paint. And it was, like, no matching results. And then a can of yellow came up. The exact spray paint I wanted, but it was yellow. And obviously, Michael's has, like, millions of items. But I 
was so annoyed. So I clicked through and I'm like, oh, of course they have white. It's listed here. But I have to click through the product. The original thumbnail is misleading. So you're saying instead of listing one product and then having it available in five colors, once I click through the listing, post all those five colors as their own independent thing. I'm saying, I mean, here, if you really want to please your customers, list all five colors as their own thing, but also have the option for them to pick the colors and show the other color options in every single listing. It's just a matter of like how you list it. So white sweatshirt, and then once you get in, you have all the other colors available. Blue sweatshirt, and then once you get in, you have, okay, gotcha. Yep. And I'm changing my title. I'm changing my tags. Ah. I'm, I'm doing that. Because let's say for this one, I want to get everybody who's searching for a rose gold sweatshirt because I know rose gold is a popular term. Yes. So I'm like, okay, well, the blue one, I didn't put blue sweatshirt. I put something like, uh, you know, um, funny phrase sweatshirt or funny quote sweatshirt. And maybe maybe I called it something like that. So I'm getting two different searches for the same item. I'm capitalizing on two different people. Oh, my God. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe I also play around with like lounge sweatshirt versus oversized sweatshirt versus comfortable oh. sweatshirt versus weekend oh. sweatshirt or I don't know all the ways you can say Yeah, well, comfy. I mean, I've just taken five items and capitalized on five different types of searchers. Yeah. Capitalized on five different people who are looking for five different colors and it's just one item. So it becomes very easy to fill your shop up with 40 or so items. Essentially, you could have five or 10 items, but then each one's available in five colors. And then all of a sudden you have your 40 listings and you're like spreading out your keywords to sort of see like, cause maybe one starts popping up a lot more. You're like, okay, well maybe I should after a fair amount of time, not tomorrow after you just set it up, but like maybe you can adjust the rest of your tight heading. Well, although maybe you wouldn't because you still want to try to capitalize on people who are searching different terms. Yeah. What I do, and I mean, there's no right answer to experimenting because the point of this is that it's an experiment. And the more you play, the more you're going to learn. And sometimes you're going to fail and that's okay because you've learned, oh, this doesn't work. I'm not going to do this anymore. And sometimes you'll see something like, for example, one of our most popular listings back when we had the wedding shop was a custom temporary tattoo listing where they could literally pick what they wanted, but the actual listing itself was like the thing that was getting purchased. So we realized that the word custom and personalized were getting a ton of searches. So we started listing more items with those in them. So instead of just customized tattoo, we would do custom wedding tattoo. We do custom date tattoo, custom birthday tattoo. Mm, Okay. So smart. I love this so much. Oh my God. I'm nerding out on it. Crazy. Um, Okay, so not having enough items, and those are some really, really, really cool tricks to spread your items out, and not only do you, I mean, it's a win-win-win on every level. Um, Okay, so that's the number one mistake. What else do you guys see? One of the things that we see is a lot of people think that just because they enjoy making something that other people are going to want to buy it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And this is like a matter of product validation, (laughs) right? Yeah. So, like, when you show something to your friends and family, a lot of times they're like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> it's so cool. They always say that. Yeah. Because <laughs> they love you. <laughs> better. Like, if you're, if you're thinking about what you're going to make versus you don't know what you're going to make, I would actually sit down with a couple of your friends on Zoom or whatever and be like, hey, I want you to shop on Etsy for me while I spy on you because I just want to write down what you're doing. So pretend that I just gave you $50 go fake spend it on Etsy in front of me and I want you to spend it on 
X category that you're selling clothing, clothing. Or patches or pins or backpacks. Okay. Go spend cool. it. Show me, talk to me, basically be like, I want you to narrate why you're clicking on what you're clicking and that's it. And I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to listen. And I just want you to narrate everything you're doing. I might ask you a question here and there, Cool. but seeing what people pick. And here's the thing, try to pick friends who have tastes that would match with what you're doing. So like if you uh-huh. have a friend who is particularly hip and trendy, like don't go to your grandma and be like, grandma shop for trendy backpacks. <laughs> you know? Go to your friend who has similar taste to you or maybe who has similar taste to you, but you guys, like maybe she wears black all the time and you wear bright colors all the time. You just kind of want to see what she's going to do, what she's going to look for. Okay. And it'll really help you to figure out what is making these items stick out. Why are they picking that over this? And especially when you're looking at things like shirts with phrases on them or something that we see a lot of, you're really going to see how people gravitate towards things they haven't seen before, things that are creative, um, things that feel really relevant to them and their lives right now. And that sounds like it's something hard to pinpoint, but it's not. You basically just have to make a product for yourself that you wish was out there. And you just kind of have to make sure that you're not doing more of the same. Yeah. I have a very, very particular cut for like workout tank tops that I like. I like a little more muscle tank. So like it drops on the side a little deeper. I don't want that like standard racer back that has been around for like ever. I'm just sick of it. And I have a really hard time finding that. I Finding the cute phrase on the shirt. I like like a simple phrase, nothing too crazy, but you know, whatever your phrase you want combined with the right cut. I feel like yeah. I've been like searching for that for years. So I, I actually oh my God. think I know exactly which shirt you like because I've seen you in it. I think I know exactly. Oh my god, which I wear it like every day. I literally wear it yeah. every day. Today was like the first day I put on a regular T-shirt, not a workout tank, and like I don't know, probably since March. <laughs> yes. Or before that, when Arrow was born. Yeah. Everyone has this kind of like I like tunics. I just like tunics. Yeah. I, I always have. Yeah. These crop tops are driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah, but, my stomach is not in, has never been in shape to do that, but <laughs> Yeah. So I'm just kind of like this is the sort of thing too. It's like you don't have to sell to the 18-year-old that's coming up, you know. <laughs> I'm 35. I want something hip and shiny for 35-year-olds who do not need a crop top. Yeah. God, <laughs> they know? all I was and driving I, the other day and I saw like a a group of like eight girls, I mean, I don't know, like young college age, and they were all wearing little crop tops and the high-waisted pants. And I was like, that I am not going to rock that look ever in my life. It's just not going to work for my body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a seller who literally sells um, accessibility like clothing oh, cool. for people who have kids with Down syndrome, but she's also done cancer clothing as well for oh, people cool. who've had mastectomies, um, and other things, just things that can actually support people in a way that makes sense for them to wear their clothing and makes it easy on, easy off, and yeah. just makes them feel better in their clothes. And um, she was like, I get so many custom orders for people asking me for certain cuts or certain things because it seems like everyone has something that they specifically want that is really hard to find in the market. And it's such an easy hole to fill. And here's the thing. If you find a company that sells something you like, like you'll buy from that company and you'll buy from another company. Like there are three or four places that I actively think of when I first think, okay, where do I want to shop for a t-shirt? Yeah. There are three to four places. There's not too much competition because I will go to all four throughout the summer most likely. Yeah. It's just like you got to think of something that sets you apart 
and people will flock to you for that reason. And most designers know that thing about themselves um, already. They're like, this is what I do. This is how I do it. But doing these experiments will help you to confirm that your product is going to sell and that it's a good idea. Gotcha. I love this so much. Um, so you mentioned custom in there. What do you see people doing? And and or I don't know if you have enough data to know like how well that works on Etsy. As a, I mean, maybe it's as opposed to, I'm not talking about custom, like you can customize the date on the shirt for the wedding or something, but more like you mentioned this woman is making accessible products um, for different markets and different categories, was getting a lot of requests for custom. How much do you know about how well that works on Etsy specifically? So custom and personalized is by far one of the most popular categories on Etsy. And it's something that people come to Etsy for. Because you can't walk into like, you know, Target or Anthropology or the mall and get something customized except at one of those little kiosks, which doesn't feel very boutique. No, those those kiosks never feel that great. No. (laughs) So, I mean, what... What Etsy does to support this is they actually have, when you set up a listing, a little box you can check that says customer can add personalization. So they don't even have to contact you. They just put in what they want the thing to say or do. um, And you get that note with the purchase. So for example, when we were selling wedding tattoos, a lot of times people would want tattoos that would say their name and batch party and then maybe the date. Mm -hmm. Now batch party would always be the same. But the name and the date would always change. So we would have personalization options for the name and the date. And then we would just make that based on what they submit. There was no need for the conversation back and forth, which often that back and forth, the longer you do it, the less likely you are to make a sale. Mm, Yeah, it can become, I totally get that as from a buyer's perspective. Yeah. So a lot of what you want to do is just more along the lines of, okay, how can I make this customization super easy? Or how can I show them how this will work on my product? Yeah. Like what cool things can we do? Can we change the font? Can we do this, that, the other? But you can go too crazy with customization. I generally say, let the customer customize one thing. Don't let them pick the color, the font, the size. It's too confusing for them. And it's too overwhelming because then I'm like, oh, too many choices. I don't have the time to do this. I need it. Make it easy. (laughs) Yeah. When you think about this kind of thing, it's, it's just... When you check out, you want the process to be fun and easy, and you want to know immediately what you want and immediately how to get it. And when you have to pick 50 things, when you no. make the customer make a lot of decisions, they really shut down. They do. Yeah. I've been there before, and I'm like, close the page. I'm done. I can't do this. It's not working for me. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, all the things that, like, I think that when we can really, which is hard to do when you're trying to start that business and, and you know, start your own collection or whatever you call it, um, it can be hard to do this, but when you really put yourself, like something I've done over the years is really paid attention to my buying habits. I think about what's going through my head, why am I choosing to finish the transaction, why did I choose to close the page and say, nope, I'm not going to do that, and then you kind of have to apply that to your own shop and your own business. And the thing you just said there with customization, I immediately was like, oh, yes, I've been that buyer that I'm like, I'm going to do this thing. And then I get in there and I'm immediately overwhelmed with choices. I'm like, I don't know. I'm done. Yeah. 
So yeah. start paying attention. I think that's also a good thing to do is, um, you know, if you're contemplating doing something, whether it's, you know, print on demand through Etsy or custom through Etsy, and you're actually going to cut and sew and make stuff for people, um, which funny backstory real quick is how I first started my fashion brand with the embarrassing name Funklectic. If you guys have followed me for a while, you know, I cringe at that, that name. It's a word sandwich of funky and eclectic and everybody called it <laughs> Funkadelic and I hated it. But anyway, I first started selling on Etsy. This is way back in like, oh my gosh, 2006 or seven, probably. It was a long time ago. And I first started selling some of my dresses on Etsy and they were all handmade. And like I started making some sales. Obviously, I think it was a little less competitive then, but um, you know, you could do that too. But start paying attention to your buying habits because I think there's, um, and really start thinking about what's going on in your head, why you choose to make the transaction or not, or like where you fall off or something like that. And I think you can get some valuable tips even from your own thought process. Totally. It's, it's so cool when you, if you're looking for something personalized, like I will often show my sellers who have processes that are too complicated. Let's say you're selling, you know, a customized water bottle or something like that. I'll search for that and I'll click on three listings and I'll be like, I'm going to pretend to buy this right now. And this is what, and I'll literally be like, this is what I want. I want it in, in gold. I want it with black lettering. I want it to say, you know, Jenny's awesome. And this is the size that I want it in. And then I'll try to check out at the three different ones and see the process for the three different ones Mm -hmm. really shows you where the friction occurs. This is particularly true in an industry that has a lot of customization, like a wedding sort of industry where search for what other people are doing, see how they're customizing. Because as a bride, I can tell you as a bride, I did not have the mental space to figure out, you know, my fabric, my cut, all these other things. Like this was so confusing to be able to customize everything. I just could not take it. I was basically like, okay, I need to find a silhouette that works on me that I like. And then I would really like a designer to be making a lot of these decisions for me. Yes. I don't know how to make them. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Very, very true statements. Um, so much good stuff. One last question. I want to, what do you think about like ads? Cause I think it can feel really easy. And like, let me tell you, I got sucked into Instagram ads like last year and you know, I set a really small budget and I was just like, screw this. And I basically like lit a few hundred dollars on fire and it was gone. So, yeah. <laughs> right. We've all, I've done it on Facebook too. Um, what about ads on Etsy? Do's, don'ts. Is it too early at the startup stage? What, what are your thoughts? The way that I see paying for traffic is no matter where you are or what your plan is, paying for traffic is an advanced strategy. And here's why. Okay. If you know how to make sales of your product and you know your product is going to sell and you've done the work to get there, then if you add an ad, you're just targeting the person you already know is going to buy. You already understand exactly why they're there and what they're doing. Yes. And so when you add these ads, they can be really effective. This is where you hear the stories of, oh, I made $1,500 this month and I only spent 200 you know? Right. Sorry, the cat is going nuts. Hang on. That's okay. <laughs> I do not know what he's doing. Okay. So a lot of beginners are like, oh, this isn't working. Can I just throw some money at this problem? Yeah. 
And they immediately think it's going to do something. And what it does is a whole lot of nothing because they haven't figured out why their item isn't selling in the first place. And once you fix that, you still have several steps to go before you should be paying for ads. And a lot of that has to do with talking to your customers, seeing why they're buying, seeing what they're specifically looking for. And that's a better time to put your ad up. Now on Etsy, let's say you have a product that's making good sales. It's getting good search running an Etsy ad as an experiment doesn't hurt, especially like I always like to run my ads strategically. So let's say Christmas is coming and it's October. And I've noticed that I have three items that are starting to sell really well. Well, if I pay a little bit to get them more exposure on ads before Christmas, as I know Christmas is coming and they seem to be getting popular and I run those ads for maybe three months until the end of December, that's probably going to give me some good results. But if I run those ads year-round, that might not. The mm-hmm. product that I have in mind, actually, I had a seller who was selling um, hand-cut wooden ornaments with people's initials on them or, like, little cutouts of what their house looks like so they could put it on their tree. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. That ad doesn't work in January. <laughs> So like you got to, that's why ads are an advanced strategy. You got to know what you're doing. You got to know what your customer's doing. You got to know what you're talking about. Spending your money on ads is such a waste when instead you could be spending your money on say hiring somebody who knows what they're doing to help you yeah. either through a platform where there are platforms where Etsy sellers can, and other sellers can actually be hired to do tasks for you. Like big sellers with 10,000 plus sales can set things up for you. Or spend that money on a course, you know, learn how to create amazing products, learn how to audit your own shop and figure out what's wrong, Um, learn how to get things fixed. Don't spend your money on ads blindly. Think about all the different things you could do with that money. Like one seller I had, for example, was like, I was going to spend $150 on ads, but then I decided to try and create some enamel pins. So I ordered some enamel pins and they all sold out and I wound up making like, I think she made like a $10 profit and her pins cost a dollar each to make. It was oh, she insane. sold them for 10 and her cost was a dollar? It was like a dollar. Wow. Yeah. She was like, that was the best $150 I ever spent. And I'm so glad I didn't spend it on ads because yeah. she did the following month. And she made maybe like out of that 150 she made like 45 back. Ah. Uh. So she was like, oh, okay. It was, I mean, it was just a run of experiments that she was trying. She was like, I sure. want to try these experiments. I've always been curious about these things. And she went through month by month trying each experiment. And she saw the ones that worked really quickly. That's great. But I think, um, I mean, that's really cool. And I think there is a lot of value in testing. I mean, I know I have tested a tremendous amount in my business. I know you have. Some stuff works. Some stuff doesn't. You know, sometimes it does cost cash and a lot of time. And then there's tears afterwards. But um like going back to what you said at the beginning of our conversation or throughout our whole conversation, if you don't have, is this even a product that people want? Um, am I getting a couple sales? So I know there's some, some traction. Are my photos dialed in enough? Um, are my keywords dialed in enough? Like all those things could be off. And then you put an ad up and you think, well, the ad doesn't work. So everything, let's just give up altogether because I can't even get someone to buy from an ad. Maybe it's as simple as your photo's not good enough. Um, or, you know, a long list of those things that we just went through. So you're wasting your money on the ad because more people are going to see it, but they're still not going to buy it because maybe it's just not the thing that they want, or it doesn't look good enough quality because the photo is poor or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I see so many sellers, 
Um, and it's so frequent. It's almost always just one thing wrong. Yeah. I had a mug seller who was taking these pictures of her mugs and they were beautiful. This is the thing. The photos were beautiful, but they were really zoomed out. So you couldn't see the design on the mug oh. in the front picture. <laughs> oh, so no. no one was clicking on her mugs because they couldn't read what they said. They didn't even like know what it was. They're like, am I buying yes. the plant or the notebook next to the mug? <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh my God, that's funny. It was just funny. that one simple problem. Like yeah. everything else was right. And she was so frustrated because she's like, I'm doing everything right. Yeah. And everyone is telling me I'm doing everything right. What is it? And we took one look and we were like, oh, I can't even see what your item says. So why would I click on it? It's so easy to be blind to that stuff when you're when you're in the midst of it yourself. Oh, well, this is why a business is so much work. Of course, you can't, you're doing all this work here. You're, you're doing things you've maybe never done before in your yeah. life and you're a yeah. little unsure of yourself. But I mean, this is why it's so helpful to even just consult other sellers or other people who are doing this or, or have family members who are willing to tell you the truth. Um, because it's, it is usually just one thing and yeah. finding it yourself can be really, hard. really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my God, this is amazing. You like really, my head is exploding with all these cool tips and advice and strategies. You know, I love nerding out on this stuff. Um, Mm uh, I always ask this, the same question at the end of every podcast. It doesn't really relate to you. So I'm going to rephrase it. So I usually ask, what is one thing people never ask you about working in fashion that you wish they did ask? And I'll rephrase it to what is one thing people never ask you about selling on Etsy that you wish they did ask you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know what no one ever asks me is they never say, if you were to start an Etsy shop right now, what would you not do? Oh, let's hear your answer. To be, I think one of the things I wouldn't do is I, I wouldn't just try to figure out like how to make money like as the whole purpose of my shop. Ah. So when I first started, it was obviously there to get me out of a terrible job. So I was very motivated by money. Yeah. Right. I was like, Oh my God, I I have to get out. Like I'll do anything. And I was literally trying everything under the sun and nothing was working. Etsy eventually did. Um, so of course everything I did was motivated by, okay, what do I think will sell? what, what's working? Like, what are the trend? What, what's, what's happening? And all those things were very helpful to me in making a lot of sales. But now I would really want to create something that's a labor of love. That's enjoyable every single day. Um, that I can't wait to create a new product for, because I just think over time that Etsy shop became really hard for me. Mm. Sorry, the cat. Is that, which cat? Is that Cheeto? It's marshmallow. He's he's like, why are you not feeding me? They're they're getting a pill tonight, so they're starving right now because they would not eat their pill in their food unless they're starving. You have to make sure they consume it. Oh my gosh! Yes. Um, Um, So be passionate. Be like really into the thing. Yeah, like it's so much more fun when you're excited to come to work every day. And this is something I'm saying from a perspective of privilege where my business really runs well and I've gotten here of a long time, but I've suffered a lot of years through things I didn't want to do. I forced myself to do for money. Yeah. They were hard. They weren't fun anymore. It it became harder and harder to keep things up. And if I had originally started with something that I just could not wait to do every day. And here's the thing. 
just because you start with something that's really fun to do every day doesn't mean that you'll end that way. Like you are allowed to pivot. It took mm-hmm. me years to pivot. And once I did, I realized, oh, I'm just going to pivot like every three years and play with some <laughs> project here and there, even if it's on the side. Um, I feel like it's normal for creatives to get bored. So just don't be afraid to play. Don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to automate your shop and walk away and do something else. Just realize that this is something that, yes, it might be there to make you money. Yes, it might be there to start your business, which is a a very serious undertaking. And we kind of suck the fun out of it. Yeah. It's very. I just don't need that in my life. Now, in retrospect, I'm realizing that, like, that was my number one biggest mistake. Yeah. Letting the money drive you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is easier said than done because depending on where you are in a certain financial situation, like if you're in a full-time job and you're good and you're stable financially, you can start the the thing on the side and make sure you're super passionate about it. But if you're in a position where you're like, I got to get some cash to pay my rent and bills, which, you know, it's, we've all been in those positions and it's really tough. It can be easy to to let the money drive it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people, when you're in that position, you expect a lot from whatever you do. Yeah. And when you don't expect a lot from what you're doing, it, it loosens the reins on you. It becomes a little more fun. Like nobody is saying that you only have to do Etsy to try and make rent this month. Like Mm -hmm. you can try a few things and Etsy might not work for you right away, but it may be working for you in six to eight months. Um, it's, it's one of those things where, I think the more pressure that you put on something to give you money, the more it's going to disappoint you and the less fun it's going to be. So I often like, this is why when I said, you know, at the beginning of the interview, I was like, I was on Etsy to make myself a small savings account so I could quit my job. I expected it to take me two years, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Mm -hmm. Like I was expecting to suffer in that job for two years. Um, So did I, did I, do some things and make some moves that made it work better than me for me. Yes. That was all strategy. That was, that was me sitting down and figuring things out, asking for help when I needed it. Those things were important, but ultimately once the money started coming in, that it was, there's, it's a lot of pressure. And you know what, when you just kind of think about, you know, what do I really want from this? Not what do I need to do to make people pay me more? Those are very different questions and they will lead you down very different paths. And if you keep asking yourself, what can I do to make people pay me more? You will wind up on a path that's just as miserable as, you know, my terrible day job. <laughs> that's how we got there in the first place, right? That's how we get in our terrible day job. What know. will make me the most money? I what path know. can I follow? I know. And if you're following the same path you did to get to your day job, like what? You should just stay in your day job. Yeah, like what's the point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this has been so much fun to chat with you. Um, usually in real life, we would be getting together for our business retreat around this time. No, yeah. am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. in a month or two. Um, Jenny's part of a mastermind group that I'm part of, and we get together in real life person because we're located all around the world. Not right now. That's not happening because, you know, this whole pandemic thing. Um so it's really fun to chat. Um, I want to know two things. One, where can people find and connect with you online and gobble up all your free resources so they can set up their Etsy shop and start kicking some major ass? And then two, you also mentioned um, platforms for people to connect with other sellers who are like, oh, I have 10,000 sales. Like, I can help you set up your SEO and your keywords and stuff. Yes. So I am on fuzzyandbirch.com. Okay. I will send you all kinds of fun links that I was going to send to Tara, your assistant. 
um, that I rounded up for you that is basically all of our free stuff and all the fun stuff that you can get related to uh, trends and things that are really just hard to figure out on your own. We've done a lot of that research for you. Awesome. Um, so I will send you all of that goodness. And if you want to potentially hire other sellers to help you out to kind of get set up faster and maybe potentially find problems you may have in an existing shop, that is called Tribe Hire. I will send that to you as well. It is tribehire.io, and it is a platform of all Etsy sellers. You can actually even sort people by how many sales they have. So if you're looking for somebody who's like a hardcore expert, you can look for someone with you know a thousand or ten thousand plus sales who can help you out with specific topics. So that is really exciting. It's a really cool way to get started um, and just kind of see what there is to see and figure out what you can do to avoid making big mistakes. Amazing. So, so cool, Jenny. Um, We'll add all those links to the show notes so you guys can click right through and get everything. And it was awesome to chat with you. Thank you for sharing all these amazing tips with our listeners. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I am so enjoying listening to podcasts right now. I cannot wait to listen to more SFD ones. I have them in my list. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Jenny. And thank you to my husband, Mark, who handles all the tech and editing. And thank you to Tara, who does so much work behind the scenes to coordinate the guests and get the show notes out the door and posted so you guys can keep listening. I could not do this without the two of you. And thanks to you for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. If you like this episode or if you like what Successful Fashion Designer is doing, one of the best ways to support us is by leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings go so far and really help new people discover the show so big big thank you and appreciation if you can do that if you haven't yet and also make sure you get on the email list it's at soheidi.com slash email s-e-w-h-e-i-d-i.com slash email you can also catch up with me on instagram at soheidi and tell your friends about the podcast i know i'm asking you guys to do a lot of things just pick one um but tell your friends about the podcast and make sure that other listeners who could really use this valuable content get access to it As always, if you want to learn any more about the resources mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes wherever you're listening. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you in the next Successful Fashion Designer Podcast episode.